Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Over the line, or closing, he's in. A backhander and a save by Tony Esposito. Stan Mikita was a small guy, very cocky in those days. A right hand by Magnuson, and he puts that guy down. Magnuson trying to tear his hair out. NBC Chicago's James Naveau. Six seventy, the scores. Hockey guy Jay Zawaski. Hawks win! Hawks win again! Chris Chelios in overtime. Part of Blue Wire Podcasts. Came off the boards. He shoots. He's going down to the tape. A game-winning goal. The Hawks live to fight another day. Falling back, circle drives, gets it from The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Chicago's going to be in last place forever. Triple Threat Sports, Fry the Coop, and by the Cincin Law Group. Let's drop the puck. Welcome in, friends, fans, and well-wishers. This is indeed a new edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Naveau from NBC5 Chicago, and with me, as always, is the one, the only, Jay Zawoski of 6-7 The Score and... The now 100-episode-old I'm Fat yes. Podcast, Jay Zawoski. Congratulations on the milestone, man. Thank you, my friend. It's been a, uh, it feels like we haven't been doing it that long, but it's been almost three years. It's kind of crazy. It's crazy how time flies, right? I know. And you and I will be entering, what, our seventh season? Seventh season, yeah. This <sighs> is uh, the Stanley Cup Finals, going to wrap up the uh, sixth season, and then we'll transition over to ESPN and Turner, and then season seven starts up in October, according to a Gary Bettman. Man, that's wild. And Oh, we're going to hear from old Gary today, buddy, on the, on the oh, Madhouse podcast. Goody. It's going to be fun. Uh, make sure you're following us on all of our social medias. We are on Twitter at Madhouse Pod. We're on Instagram, Madhouse underscore pod. We're on the old Facebook if you like such things. I really don't, but kind of need it for the business. And a little bit of breaking news. Uh, to go along with our MadhousePodMerch.com website, uh, powered by our friends at Triple Threat Sports, we have also launched a Public shop where you can get some Madhouse Podcast mugs and hats and phone cases and buttons and whatever else you kind of want with our logo on there. That also gives us the ability to create some images and put them up there right away very quickly. So that account is live. I will put the link in our social media link tree bio on all of our social media accounts for very easy access. All we ask is if you're going to buy from our Public shop that you use our specific link because that helps us get credit for the sale. If you just go to T Public and find us, we do not get credit for the sale. So use our specific link. We beg of you. Um, all right, James, you and I have been talking off the air a lot. There's a lot going on in the Blackhawks world, and none of it, fortunate, unfortunately, has to do with hockey. And before we get into it, I just want to say a couple things, and I and obviously you're going to have some comments you're going to want to make too. Um, first and foremost, 
I said this on the last podcast we did. Everyone who asks me about this Blackhawks, uh, Brad Aldrich situation, I have the same answer. Everyone who knows should be immediately fired full stop. Okay. The entire situation needs to be investigated. The Blackhawks have brought in their own air quotes, independent investigators. We'll get to that. But if we find out that Stan Bowman and Al McIsaac and whoever else knew about the situation, they should be terminated immediately. Yes, it's going to screw up the draft. Yes, it's going to screw up for agency. There are things more important than hockey. That said, yeah, you're, you're obviously, of course, you're right about that. Sorry, I thought no. your point was done there. Uh, it, it almost <laughs> another <laughs> thing I want to clarify about me and James. A lot of people have been writing me, and I'm sure you've seen this too, James. Like, why didn't you guys report this in the past? A couple of reasons. James and I are not on the beat. We are not beat reporters. We don't travel with the team. If I'm in the locker room at all during the season, it's usually during the preseason when there are some extra media availabilities. Covering the Hawks is not my main job. It's my passion. My passion has given me some avenues to some really great sources that have gotten me some really good and reliable stories over the years. But my job is not to be a Blackhawks reporter. Now, I also want to clarify that me saying that is not taking a shot at the guys on the beat either. They do a great job. They work hard. But teams keep information away from the local beat guys on purpose. So I'm not excusing this story not getting out. If any beat writer knew, they absolutely should have written it. But I don't think it's a guarantee that any of them knew and were just choosing not to write it. Sure. And the and last get, thing I want to say. That gets into some murky legal waters, too. Absolutely. If you're going to make uh, reports like that, you better have some really good uh, sourcing to back it up. Otherwise, you could find yourself on the receiving end of a really nasty lawsuit. And that's not what a lot of publications want to deal with. Yeah. And then I, I want to say something personally, too. I, I hate this. I don't want to talk about this. I need, we need to talk about it. It's very important. But it pisses me off. It bums me out. It's ridiculous that this ever happened, that there was ever a letter of recommendation written for this ass wipe by the Blackhawks after he was after he left the organization in 2010. The whole thing sucks. And you as a Hawk fan should be pissed off and should be demanding action as soon as it is legally able to be given and done. Because this is ridiculous. This is, you know, Brent Sopel said it. His quote, the front office should be in jail. That is a damning phrase by Brent Sobel. And if it's true that these guys knew Bowman, McDonough, McIsaac, whoever, fired is one thing. Beyond fired, failure to report a sexual assault? Oh, man. Screw hockey. Screw hockey. I'm with Brent Sobel. Yeah. It's it's uh, been... Very interesting to watch this whole story kind of unfold. And like you, Jay, I have heard from quite a few people kind of wondering why these things didn't come to light and did anybody know about it uh, beforehand. I can say personally, I had never heard whispers about any of this like you I'm not in the I'm not a beat writer I'm not in the locker room obviously every day so I'm not generally privy to that kind of information but I know that we hear some whispers about other stuff that's kind of going on I'm sure that I don't have to point to any specific instances where Blackhawks blogosphere is kind of run with some stuff like this I can say that I had never heard anything about this story so 
obviously don't want to speak for you or for anybody who is on the beat, but I had never heard any of that stuff. That caveat aside, I think the thing that infuriates me the most about the entire story is the fact that the Blackhawks had given that recommendation to Aldrich when he left, and then promptly three years later, he was convicted of criminal sexual conduct involving a high school student. It is just unconscionable, and the fact that they didn't have their feet held to the fire when that happened is something I have obviously a lot of questions about because... Who knows if he gets that job without the Blackhawks saying, yeah, this guy's all right. To me, it's just the fact that he was just all of a sudden gone from the organization, according to uh, some players and some other individuals who were connected to the team at that time. The fact that he was just kind of swept under the rug and kind of pushed out the door a little bit and then was allowed to get a job with children and to commit that kind of a crime is just unconscionable. It is horrendous. And that is something, obviously, the Blackhawks need to address, aside from all of the other elements of this. And then the thing that I also keep coming back to is, yeah, we can talk about the guys who are with the organization right now. Your Stan Bowman's, your Al McIsaac's. I'm also genuinely curious. Did Joel Quenville know anything? Did Mark Bergevin know anything? There obviously are other executives who are now in other coaches who are now in other NHL jobs did they know about it? Because this this obviously now is much bigger than just a Blackhawks problem. And I think that, probably more so than anything else, kind of makes me wonder why the league is kind of acting like an independent investigator hired by the Blackhawks is a sufficient response to this. There needs to be an NHL-led investigation. You want to bring in a fe- former federal prosecutor, whatever you got to do to get to the bottom of this. I don't like the idea of the Blackhawks handling this investigation, especially when essentially the crime or the you know ill intent action that was committed here was a cover-up of a sexual assault by the organization why should you trust a team to make that determination themselves i think the nhl needs to be spearheading this and leading this and i do not think that an independent investigation by the blackhawks is sufficient in any way agree 100 so you mentioned joel quenville you mentioned Mark Bergevin. Mark Bergevin, who was the Blackhawks director of pro personnel in 2010, said he had no knowledge of the situation. John Torchetti, who was an assistant coach under Joel Quenville, he left the Blackhawks after they won the 2010 Stanley Cup, said this over the weekend. When John Torchetti mentions Paul here, he's talking about Paul Vincent, the skills coach who came to him. Um, at the behest of the players. Quote, I couldn't believe what I was hearing when Paul told me what the players had said to him. We talked about it, and he said, with the players' permission, he had to go and take this to management to be dealt with. I remember after the meeting, Paul told me all the brass were in there and that they had said no to going to the police. Paul Vincent told TSN the meeting consisted of him, team sports psychologist James Gary, President John McDonough, Vice President Al McIsaac, and General Manager Stan Bowman. That has been pretty much confirmed through several reports that those were the people in the room. Now, just because John Torchetti knows doesn't necessarily mean Joel Quenville knew. I find that very hard hard to believe. I was going to say that is a little bit of a stretch to me. But maybe Paul Vincent and John Torchetti were really, really close friends and confidants and maybe Vincent didn't have that relationship with Q. That's a possibility. But I think if it's McDonough and it's McIsaac and it's Bowman, 
how could the head coach not know? But again, that's uh, we're this is where we we're starting to wade into dangerous territory. Mm-hmm. I'll say it again. Whoever knew full stop aside from fired from wherever they're at should probably be out of hockey. And I know there's some some Hawks fans listening like that Q won some Stanley Cups. No. I don't care. I don't yeah. care about accomplishments. I don't care about how great of a European scout Stan Bowman is. I don't care about any of it. Inexcusable and unerasable stain on this franchise has been made here. And anyone that is currently employed by the Blackhawks should be fired immediately when they find out and they confirm that they were part of that meeting. I 100% agree with you on all of that, obviously. I th- and I also do want to, before we get into how Gary Bettman responded to uh, questions about the investigation and the situation, I do want to give a shout-out to WBEZ in Chicago. I do want to give out a shout-out to uh, Rick Westhead, who has been it. Uh, doing incredible work on this story and has been just doggedly pursuing it the entire time without uh, that reporting. There's a lot about this that I think we still wouldn't know. And then also wanted to shout out Mark Lazarus, uh, Scott Powers, and Katie Strang for the story that they did on it as well. So I think that that has been some really important journalism that's been done in covering that story. And hopefully people will continue to dig and hopefully we will eventually get to the bottom of this, find out who knew what, when, and hopefully uh, we can get some measure of justice for those uh, two players who were allegedly sexually assaulted by uh, Brad Ulrich in 2010. And that would be obviously the uh, best outcome that we could hope for in this entire situation is that those two players get a sense of closure and some sense of comfort that their voices have finally been heard and something's finally been done about it. By the way, um, a quote has been making the rounds in this story from an unnamed player. Uh, the quote is, every guy on the team knew about it. Every single guy on the team knew. I spoke with a player from that Blackhawks team who told me flat out, no, everyone did not know about the situation. That's not true. There's a lot of information that a lot of us are finding out right now. So... Take my source with a grain of salt. Take the other source with a grain of salt. Just know that the guy I spoke to today, this is, we're recording this on Monday, June 28th, said, I did not know about this. And not every guy knew about this. So, you know, there's some conflicting reports. And that's, you know, that's part part of the tough part. When we ask, like, well, why didn't a journalist come out and report this earlier? When you're getting conflicting stories, you've got to protect your ass and look like, let's be honest, like, the last few years for media and journalists has not been kind. You know, the, the trust isn't there. Their people are looking to, to take them down at every turn. And one mistake could cost somebody a job. And I think there's some there's some people that are just like, hey, I can't confirm this to a level that I'm comfortable with. Meanwhile, here's the other thing, listener. Um, <laughs> when you see newspapers getting bought and sold and stripped of staff and stripped of you know, people on the beat and investigators and they cut these costs, they cut these corners. They, it's just another asset for some billionaire instead of a functioning working newsroom. That's why these stories don't come out because they don't have the resources. You can't put Blackhawks beat writer a who's in the locker room every day 
on this story. But if Hawks beat writer A goes to his editor and says, hey, look, a couple guys are talking about this. Obviously, in my position where I need to be around these guys every day, I can't just start investigating this story. You need to give me someone that can help me with this or send someone out on their own to handle this story. But again, if every newspaper is getting by on scraps like the Tribune is doing and so many other papers in the country, they don't have the resources to get these stories told. So... Yeah, and that's just, a, that's you need to look no further than what happened to Deadspin and Gawker Media when Peter Thiel and Hulk Hogan came after them. Yep. Just compl- they were doing some incredible journalism. They ended up getting on the wrong side of that lawsuit, and bam. I mean, it was pretty much all over from there. Absolutely. All right, let's play um, a chunk of audio here. I want to thank Jordan Malley, who is my associate uh, at 670 The Score. He did this work uh, earlier today. And instead of just doing the same thing over again, I'm just going to borrow his work. So thank you to Jordan. Jordan is the guy who made the open for the Madhouse podcast as well. So we appreciate him. This is a super cut of everything Gary Bettman had to say about this situation today. He met the media today ahead of the Stanley Cup final. Here's what Gary Bettman had to say about the entire situation. Gary, the Chicago Blackhawks uh, launched an investigation today into allegations into Bradley Aldrich. I'm curious, when, when did the league learn of these allegations? And when did the league at some point figure out that the Blackhawks perhaps did not handle this correctly? Well, first of all, we, we learned uh, relatively recently, considering that the allegations, I think, at least uh, from what we know publicly, are 10 years old or thereabouts. Uh, and we believed that it was appropriate in the first instance for there to be an in- independent investigation, which has been commissioned previously by the Blackhawks and is underway. This is obviously a matter of litigation. We'll await the findings from the independent investigation, uh, which is being conducted by uh, Jenner and Block, which has no connection to either the Blackhawks or the league, and it's being spearheaded by a former federal prosecutor. So we'll await the results of the investigation and then decide what, if anything, needs to be done from our standpoint? Ryan, can you clarify with the, the Blackhawk situation? Did you guys coordinate with the team that is the league uh, on their investigation, or, or how did that play out as opposed to maybe doing one independently on your own? Well, it's being done independently by a law firm uh, that's been retained. Uh, we're satisfied that, that the retention has been appropriate, and in the first instance, we're going to wait and see what the results are from this investigation, and then we'll determine what, if anything, we need to do to follow up. Would the NHL consider punishment to the individuals or the clubs with the Chicago Blackhawks, depending on what the review shows? All options are available if there's something that warrants punishment. And I think we need to wait and see what the result of the investigation and the litigation that seems to be pending as well. Uh, These are allegations. What we know is based on what's public. Uh, And that's why we're going to be interested to see what the investigation reveals and doesn't reveal. And so I think everybody needs to not get ahead of themselves. Uh, These are allegations that relate to a period of time uh, that's quite some time ago, and sometimes it takes a little bit of time to piece things together. When we get all the information, we will do what is necessary and appropriate. Hi, Gary. Do you anticipate the findings of that investigation being made public, or is that going to stay in-house? Let, me, let, let us see what the investigation reveals, and then we can figure out what, what comes next. I think everybody's jumping too far too fast. 
Uh, this is going to be handled appropriately and professionally and done right. What was your reaction to the allegations? The reaction, whenever you hear allegations like that, are, are concerning. But my first reaction is, tell me the facts. And once we know what the facts are, we're in a better position to evaluate what may or may not need to be done. There it is. That's Gary Bettman today, June 28th. You can hardly tell that man used to be a lawyer. Well, him and Bill Daly are just the masters of saying nothing. Yeah. Um. And look, I I get it, right? Like, oh yeah. I know we 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 the hockey fans want Batman to be like, this is outrageous, and everyone should be fired. He should be Vince McMahon, right? But it's just not. It's not realistic. He is a he is a lawyer. He is a guy in charge of a league. He's got to put on the best face he can. Mm -hmm. I think overall, what he said is probably accurate. Like he said, everything's on the table. He yeah, that to me, I think, was yeah, the biggest takeaway is right. that everything and is on the table and it has to be. It has to be. And I just, you know, I'm just dubious that it's going to get done. I, I, you know, in a in a fully correct way, I just, dude, just like friend to friend, guy to guy, hockey fan to hockey fan. This sucks. It sucks that Hawks yeah. fans and what's supposed to be an exciting offseason, what looks to be a really awesome David and Goliath kind of a Stanley Cup final uh, that this is where our hockey brains are forced to be because of the lack of action by men in power. Rinse, repeat for the history of the freaking human race, man. It is so infuriating. It's so infuriating. And, you know, Sam Bowen's got this personality. He's like this little mousy guy like, oh, you know, I'm kind of shy. I don't say much. It, this this poor, this puts a terrible light on all these guys, on yeah. all of them. Top to bottom. And look, we've heard when McDonough got fired, we talked about his reputation as this tyrant and is this no bad news about the Blackhawks gets out, uh, you know, whatever, all that stuff. And it makes you also question all the crap that's happened since then. Mm -hmm. Other Blackhawks in the news that we were dealt with and those things got swept away, right? Like it just, it stains everything. It puts a shadow on everything. And look, you can't take they can't take away your memories of those three Stanley Cups and you should still feel joy about those moments but it just sucks that again on the not literal eve but the almost eve of one of the most exciting off seasons we're going to see in a long time this is where our heads have to be because of this crap it's infuriating and i hate it yeah and obviously i i i harbor uh, questions in my own head about whether or not the investigation is going to ultimately try to pin this on John McDonough and to make him kind of a scapegoat. I'd imagine that the Blackhawks would love nothing more than to do that and to settle with the two uh, victims in this case and to try to sweep this under the ground. But like you said, Jay, this is just another uh, stain on the franchise and just another uh, thing that's just going to dampen a lot of fan enthusiasm about the team, and frankly, rightfully so. The Blackhawks don't deserve the benefit of the doubt in this situation at all. I think that 
Uh, they deserve every bit of negative press that they're going to get out of this. And like I said, the ultimate hope that I have, I frankly don't care what happens to the Blackhawks from a competitive standpoint. If Stan Bowman or whoever else gets fired, the only thing that I care about in this situation is making sure that those two victims finally have their day, their voices are heard, and that justice is served. That is literally all I want, and all the other stuff is secondary to that. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned that because I got a, I got a question from um... – a guy who I've known from social media and some other places uh, that was actually pretty strong. And I, I wanted to address this and, I, and you just sort of jogged my memory about this. So here's a direct message I got in my Twitter. He said, I wanted to ask you a question, but didn't want to get all of Twitter involved with this Blackhawk situation. What kind of responsibility do the players have? It's been said that all the players knew what was going on since the coaching staff and management didn't do anything. Should the players have gone to the league about it? To me, just blaming this on the front office seems to be letting the players off the hook. I'm not saying the front office is without fault because they clearly are at fault. Or am I just wrong with my thoughts? I was, I've was i been thinking about this a lot. And and what does fall on the players here, right? Yeah. What is their level of, well, look, if you're not going to do something, we are. And I'm, I'm not making excuses for them. I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of these guys. Sure. And, and I, I mean, this question has obviously come up in other instances, too, most notably the Akeem Alou situation, I think, where other guys were undoubtedly aware of this, but didn't speak up, didn't come to his defense like that. And that's a hard question for me to answer, having never been in a professional locker room. I honestly don't. I don't know the correct response to that or why the players didn't come forward or what accountability they should uh, face in the whole thing. I honestly I couldn't tell you, man. Well, see this, and you're right, and that's why sort of speculating on these things is a little bit dangerous. But you know, if it gets to the management, manages management comes out and says not a word, not a word, because the Hawks have a lot of the Hawks have gotten those talks before about some lesser things, right? Like sure, it, McDonough made sure if it wasn't him directly, the players knew there would be consequences for speaking out of turn, right? Here's the other thing. In 2010, a lot of these guys were 23, 24 years old, probably lacking the intellectual maturity to say, hey, wait a minute, I need to be the guy to step out. Also, anyone who's ever been in a team situation, they don't want to be the one to rock the boat. Also, they're deep into the Stanley Cup playoffs as this is going on. Right. You know, like there's so many factors. And who's to say, yeah, two people came forward. I'm sure they weren't the only two victims. Maybe there were some other guys in the team who've experienced this too and just were not comfortable letting people know about it. I'm also curious if those two guys kind of wanted to um, maybe keep things hush-hush also. I mean, obviously it took them 11 years to come forward and to file this lawsuit, and it's interesting – or the lawsuit was filed previously, I think, right? I think this this has been kind of an ongoing thing, kind of behind the scenes, if my understanding of the situation is correct. But my point ultimately is – maybe those two guys didn't want their teammates to make a big stink about this publicly. And I know it's obviously different. They did come forward and tell somebody about this at the time. We don't know what happened after that, though. Like, once the edict kind of came out, allegedly not to say anything, we don't know what they said to their fellow teammates, obviously. I think that that's something that might come out during the investigation, but obviously we weren't privy to those conversations, and that obviously would put guys in a tough spot if those kind of conversations took place. 
Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's boy. It's just, it's this is really tough. It's, yeah, and it's, it's and really it's tough. again, it's so hard because a lot of this is so speculative. But oh, I think you know we what? would probably way, be better. Sorry. We'd be better served just sticking to our kind of original thesis. Anyone who knew should be fired, and the NHL should be handling the investigation of this, not the Blackhawks. I think that that to me is a pretty simple and straightforward place to leave it because I think a lot of the other stuff kind of then relies on conjecture and speculation. One last thing I want to add that I think is important context now that we've gotten more information. When this first came out, I said on the podcast, like from what I've been told, these players were not prominent members of the team. Um, I don't know if either of them even played in the NHL at any point. It doesn't matter. They're still victims, but that they're in a different spot than an all-star defenseman or forward if this happens to them, right? Sure. To be like a black ace or whatever you want to call it, some kid who's here just to be a body for the playoffs, they're not going to rock the boat when you've got a team about to win a Stanley Cup, right? They're not going to be like, wait a minute, this just ha-. like Think about that. You're in your teens. These guys were teenagers when this happened. Think yeah. of yourself at 17, at 18, at 19. Think about where you were mentally then. Would you have the nerve? And look, quite frankly, 10 years ago, think about the way that, you know, I guess you would say um, people would make gay jokes. And like, you're gay. That's gay. Everything's gay. Like, you're acting gay. Like, it was just a different time and a place where homosexuality wasn't accepted as widely as it is now. It wasn't understood as widely as it is now. And it was a big thing where... You know, guys were very, and they still are, but were very kind of like uptight about being thought of as that, right? Right. So it's, there's so many factors in this. That's why I don't really like talking about it, but I just, I wanted to get it off our backs today. I know you did too, because we, people want to hear from us. They trust us as Hawks people and we're glad you do. Um, But look, we just, we got to be careful with these things. We don't want to over guess because that's dangerous. And we just sort of want to leave this to the pros uh, like Katie Strang and like Laz and like Rick Westhead and all those people who've done such a great job in reporting this thing. So look for news, go to them for opinions, come to us and them too, but, you know, <laughs> but uh, we got to talk about it. And now James, I'm done talking about it. How about you? <laughs> uh, I think we're done talking about it until the next shoe falls, obviously. Well, you know what, James, if I ever need a lawyer, I'm going to call Kent Simpson of the Simpson law group. For me, it's going to be something dumb. I'm going to slip on something at work or I'm going to someone's going to hit me with their bicycle as I'm crossing the street. If I get personally injured, Kent Sinson will be my guy. He should be yours too. He covers all forms of personal injury cases, boat accidents, construction accidents, nursing home abuse, medical negligence, slip and fall cases, you name it. His firm's results speak for themselves with millions recovered for their clients. Sinson Law Group charges no fees unless they win for you. So call for a free consultation, 312-332-2107, or visit SinsonLawGroup.com. Don't go off sides. Go top shelf. Call Kent Sinson at the Sinson Law Group. Now he's a huge hockey fan. He's a huge Hawks fan, and we are very proud to have Kent Sinson associated with our podcast. All right. It's been a while since this news broke, but we have not had a chance to talk about it yet. Pat Foley entering his last season as the voice of the Blackhawks. We've got a lot of thoughts on that on the other side of this timeout 
on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. And Daze, we know he can really fire it. Well, Nichols, great work shielding the puck to feed Craven his quick shot. Not much on it, but just missed. Would have beaten a goaltender. And back to Craven to Nichols, out to Daze, and Daze let it rip. And Hill had kicked out the right leg. He was vulnerable inside the right knee area and calf, and that's where he got it. There's not much protection there. He sticks out his leg like a goaltender, and uh, well, from the second angle, it doesn't look to me like it hit the knee. I said he got it in a bad spot. <laughs> not his knee, maybe his weenie. Welcome back to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. That was the great, one of the great moments between Pat Foley and Dale Talon. Ugh, the weenie. And you just hear Pat Foley absolutely <laughs> lose it in the background of that call. Great stuff. That's courtesy of Sports Channel or I don't remember which one it was at that point. But was it Hawk Vision? It was yeah. not Hawk Vision. It was not that old. It was not that old. But that's great stuff. And, and I, you know, uh, We've had our fun at the expense of Pat Foley um, over the last few years. We know, and we talked on the podcast about how the Hawks were really upset about that little suicide joke he made at the end of the year. Um, and I, I, I think I sort of said, like, don't be surprised if Pat Foley's not back. Well, yeah. they're not going to renew his contract. I, I think this is the right thing to give him his final year uh, here with fans. He'll be he'll be honored. He, he should be honored. The guy's an absolute legend. And, and I'll say, like, yeah, you know, I'm an older man now. I'm, I'm more bitter. I, you know, you meet your heroes and you're less impressed than you thought you'd be. But Pat Foley was my first broadcasting hero. And um, for him to not be the voice of the Blackhawks anymore is going to be very, very strange. It's going to be really strange. Uh, it's just not going to sound the same. And yeah, he's lost his fastball a little bit for sure. I don't know if his work ethic is the same as what it was when he was just getting started in the league, which is natural. You become a made man and you kind of relax a little bit. It's normal, but um, I, I don't know, man. It's it's bittersweet. It's bittersweet. I'm happy that um, I got to see like the bulk of his career, um, but it's a bit of a bummer that I'm not going to hear his voice every game. Uh, I knew it was ending. It just now that it's here, it seems kind of yeah. I'm kind of bummed about it. Yeah, kind of the same, obviously. It's something that we all kind of had a feeling was going to be coming down the pipe at some point, obviously. Nothing lasts forever, sands of time, yada, yada. But it is going to be kind of surreal next season as he kind of goes on the, I guess you would call it the Hawk Harrelson-type tour, right? Kind of yeah. what he ended up doing in his last season with the Chicago White Sox. I think that that's kind of what Pat Foley's going to do. Thought it was interesting in the uh, press release about it. They said that Pat Foley is going to, kind of pass the torch to a successor they obviously have not said who that's going to be yet I've been asked by a few people who I think it could potentially be and honestly it's not like the situation with the Cubs where I kind of imagined them going after kind of a more nationally known voice I'm honestly not sure what the Blackhawks are going to do would you go with kind of a younger lesser known guy or do you try to poach somebody from a national broadcast especially with all of the upheaval and turmoil that's going on around uh you know, the, the transition over to ESPN and Turner. It's very yeah. interesting to me how they're going to handle it, but I think that 
before we kind of put the horse in front of the cart here and start talking about all that, I do think it's necessary to kind of, you know, reflect back and just, you know, all the great calls that Pat Foley has been a part of. And it is just going to be so odd not having him in the booth anymore after next season. Yeah, it's definitely going to be weird. And, and, you know, you're talking about replacements. John Weideman's right there. I really like John Weideman. I think he's really good at his job. I, I think that, you know, people are like, he's behind the call. Well, he's behind the call because he's giving you literally everything that's he's happening. He's on the radio, man. You know right. how hard it is to call hockey on the radio? And to give you every every description of what's going on. On TV, mm-hmm. he wouldn't have to do that because there's things right. you're able to see. Uh, I will, I'm throwing my vote in for John Weideman. He's a guy I very much like personally. Um, and I think he would jump at the opportunity for the job. I think that I hate to say he's being wasted on Blackhawks radio because Blackhawks radio is a job I've always wanted. I've always wanted to be their pre and post game host. That was like mm-hmm. the first job I ever wanted. And I still want it to be honest. I would love to have that job. Um, so I don't, you know me, I don't undervalue radio, but I think that John is good enough to be a full-time TV guy and uh, is maybe a little bit overqualified for hockey radio. But look, I'm, I'm very curious to see what they're going to do and what they're thinking. Because, you know, we're still in the first stages of Jamie Faulkner and Danny Wirtz. So we don't really know how they operate either. So we really have nothing to go on here. Right. And I think that the in-house options or the options that they're more familiar with, I think that wouldn't be necessarily a bad move, especially the John Weideman move. I do think that that would be solid. I think the other guy that really kind of jumps to my mind when potentially looking at Pat Foley replacements would be having Judd Surratt come back into the organization Mm. and potentially do a play-by-play role, whether that's on radio and move Weideman to TV or move Surratt into the TV booth. I think that he would would be really solid at it and I'd be very interested to see if the Blackhawks kind of feel the same way that I do about it that Surratt would be a guy who could definitely handle the responsibility and as somebody that Blackhawk fans are obviously somewhat familiar with I think that that could be a really solid and a really easy transition that's a great call I don't know how I hadn't thought of that that's that is a really good name to throw out there um good relationship with the Hawks good at what he does uh on the younger side I think he I'm trying to think he's probably in his fifties, like early fifties. I would guess if I was to estimate his age. Um, yeah, that's a good, that's a good call too. And maybe you're right. Maybe Wideman does TV and Surratt does radio. Uh, boy, that would be one hell of a broadcast team. It already is with Wideman yeah. and Foley, but uh, I would love that. But I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm thinking of national types and there's not really anyone. I'm like, yeah, it should be this guy. Like, eh, like now that doc Emmerich's gone, none of the national guys really do it for me. Yeah, and I don't think that the Blackhawks are going to be able to get a guy like Kenny Albert away from MSG. And besides, would you really want to, no. considering the fact that he has so many other responsibilities and who knows what's going to end up happening now that his dad is leaving the basketball booth on TNT? Does Kenny Albert try to get into the basketball space? Like, who the heck knows? I think that he obviously I think it could be something where they look towards a guy like that but I highly doubt they could get specifically Kenny Albert to come on and do games I think they want to try to get a guy who's going to call as many games as possible because right. I think they value that consistency I agree and I think that boy I man I like that Surratt one a lot I really like that because I think you have to have like look if you're if you're the Arizona Coyotes Right, like you don't need to hire someone who fits into the sound of Blackhawks games. The thing about Foley is 
And when I say sound, I don't mean the tone of his voice so much as the... What am I trying to say here? The mood of the broadcast. Right? Like it's not overly announcery. Like, oh, now he carries the puck over the blue line. A shot at a goal. <laughs> like, that does not work here. People in Chicago right. don't want that. That's why I think Judd Surratt and John Weideman, like Weideman is an excellent broadcaster. Again, tells you everything that's happening concisely and clearly, rarely stumbles over his words. He does a great job, but I think he fits what the Hawks do. I think Judd Surratt would fit what the Hawks do. I don't want some talking head, um, you know, replacement level, like cartoonish broadcaster. I want a guy who fits the mood of Chicago. And I think that Weideman and I think that Surratt, would do that? I wonder. Ooh, would Len Casper want to call hockey? That would be kind of awesome if he did. I'd be all over that. That would be I, fun, I think huh? that, and I mean, wouldn't it be interesting if he did both t- uh, baseball on the radio and ended up doing hockey during the off season? I'm sure he probably wants to have some days off, obviously, but obviously hockey's a big time passion of Lens, and I do think that he I don't know if he'd be able to do it on the radio necessarily. I don't know if he's kind of got the quick enough cadence for that, but I could easily see him calling some games for the Blackhawks. I think that he would be able to pick it up. I think that he could handle it as a play by play guy. You can't put a Red Wings fan in a Hawks broadcast. I'll never listen. <laughs> He's affiliated enough with Chicago now, I think, that a lot of people would probably give him a pass for that. Well, I just texted Len and said, do you want to replace Pat Foley? He said, ha, no. All right, we'll cross that off then. Here's me crossing that off. He's he's dis- he's trying to throw you <laughs> off the scent, Jay. No, no, you got fire here. There is smoke. There is fire. Do it. <laughs> all right, let's play it up. Yeah. <laughs> I just responded, damn it, in all caps. So there yep. you go. <laughs> the official official Madhouse uh, Chicago Hockey Podcast endorsement of Len Casper is a uh, play-by-play guy for the Black. <laughs> all right, we got. I'm going to make a poll uh, once I put the podcast. I'll put a poll up in the morning saying, "All right, of these three, who do you want to be the Hawks uh, play-by-play guy replacing Pat Foley?" That <laughs> uh, could be fun. Oh man, dude, it's been a long week. Uh, we need some good. We need some actual hockey to react to on the next episode, man. I'm telling you. It's uh this this stuff is bumming me out and uh, the only cure for it is fry the coop. I had some last week. I went to the Tinley one. Dude, we gotta go. I have not seen you in way too long. We keep I think talking the last about time playing you saw golf. me. What you gave me a book, right? <laughs> yeah, I think so. That was probably the last time I saw you. So what, like November? Yeah. Somewhere around there. So yeah, let's get together. Let's get fry the coop. Let's go hit the links. Let's do something. I, I miss seeing your face. I told Hope, like, James is having an internet issue, so I'm a little delayed. She's like, tell him to come over. <laughs> We're just desperate for company. <laughs> it probably would have taken less time to fix than my <laughs> stupid router. Well, it worked out. So, yeah, let's hit up fry the coop. When we do, we can go to Oakland, Elmhurst, West Town, Prospect Heights, or their new location in Tinley Park, Nashville, hot chicken, the tenders, the sandwich, the donut chicken sandwich, the chicken and waffles, everything in fry the coop is phenomenal. You will love it. Go to frythecoop.com, place your order online, pick it up at their window. I think they're open for dine-in. I have not checked. I need to check that. Um, But look, you can take it on a half-hour ride home, and it's going to be as fresh as it is if you eat it in a restaurant. It's absolutely amazing. I don't know how they do it, but they do it. Fry the Coop travels better than pretty much anything I've ever had before. So check them out. Fry the Coop, frythecoop.com. Come get your happiness at Fry the Coop. James, before we wrap up, is there anything you'd like to add uh, in terms of 
stuff. Uh, please listen to our preview edition of the podcast about the Stanley Cup final. I thought Laura Saba did a fantastic job breaking down the Canadian side of things, and it was just a really good uh, chance to catch up with her. She's really great at what she does, and I thought it was a great conversation. I like her very much. I don't think she knows me from Adam aside from, like, you know, online hockey land, but I'm a big <laughs> fan of Laura Saba. She's great. I, it, she's funny. She's smart. She's awesome. One of my favorite people in hockey so yeah give that a listen it's great stuff uh not a great game one for the habs but hey they'll bounce back i'm confident this is going to be a competitive series with that let's wrap things up remember check out our new t public shop the link is in the bio make sure you're following us on our social medias at madhouse pod on twitter madhouse underscore pod on instagram find us on facebook and uh all that good stuff and uh what else buy my book the Big 50, the men and moments that made the Chicago Blackhawks available wherever books are sold. Go to bookshop.org to support local independent booksellers uh, instead of helping out the Goliaths who don't need your help. All right, <laughs> let's wrap it up. Thanks for listening, everybody. We appreciate it. Talk to you next time on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast was brought to you by Fry the Coop, Triple Threat Sports, and by the Sins In-Law Group. Rose Davis, historian and co-host of the sports podcast, Burn It All Down. And now I'm hosting the new season of American Prodigy, all about Black girls in gymnastics. For the last 40 years, Black gymnasts have moved from the margins to the core of the sport and changed gymnastics along the way. Now, they tell their stories. You'll meet trailblazers like Diane Durham, superstars like Jordan Childs, and everyone in between. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.